the NBA has been so much fun to watch. Uh, I am a kid in a candy store. It's like watching the NCAA tournament every day. We're watching basketball from day to night. Uh, Nick Friedel covers the NBA for ESPN.com, and my friend joins me here on ESPN 1000. Hello, Nick. My man, it's great to be with you. Oh, how much fun is this? I mean, day and night, it does remind me of March Madness where I could turn on a game in the afternoon and not turn it off until late night. You're getting four or five games in a day, and it looks fresh. It looks really good. And after a slow start in those first few games, Hoodie, uh, last week, to see the quality of play throughout most of these games right now is not only a great sign for you and I as fans, it's a great time for the league. Because I think that was one of the biggest concerns the NBA had was, hey, we don't know how <laughs> how great all these games are going to be. Mm-hmm. And they've started, they've been fairly competitive, and you just really like the way that it is gearing up, knowing that those playoff games in this setting with what will be on the line are going to be really intense and should be very fun to watch. When you've started first watching these games, Nick, uh, and watching what Adam Silver and the NBA put together as far as the fan involvement with the Microsoft virtual fans and just the layout of the court and everything, what what stood out the most about everything they put into it? That they made it happen at all. I mean, you and I have been covering the league for years and years at this point Mm -hmm. i am i am proud of the way that adam silver and michelle roberts came together and the players as well but but the fact that this is happening at all is a great great thing and they they both deserve just a huge amount of credit for making it happen given the circumstances in the country and in the world right now because there are so many reasons why this shouldn't be happening Uh, And for everybody to be able to turn on the TV or to flip on the game on the radio and to see that this thing is up and running and most importantly that everyone is safe and healthy, that is just a great, great thing. So there are any number of different small victories every night for the league. I mean, you look up, you see the fans on the screen, you see the camera angles, you hear the refs talking, which I've never really heard before. I think that's a a great small addition, but the fact that it's happening at all is a fantastic thing for everybody because so many of us need a a reason to to think of anything other than what's happening uh, all over the place right now. And basketball is providing that diversion in the entertainment that goes with it. Nick Friedel covers the NBA. For ESPN.com, he joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The hottest team in the NBA right now is the Toronto Raptors. Um, No surprise, right? Even without Kawhi, they're looking good. Watch their game from start to finish against the Lakers and the Heat. That's not easy, Nick. We're talking about two strong teams. Lakers could win the West. Heat are a strong contender in the East. What stands out most about the the Raptors? And do you have that feeling that, hey, maybe they could take the East again? I do. Cody, I do. For ESPN.com, they made us put out predictions prior to the bubble finally starting. And I had watched the Raptors going into when the season stopped. And of course I had seen them up close and personal in the finals last year, having covering 
uh, covered the Warriors, and I'm I'm watching them going, my gosh, this team plays hard. And there is no question Kawhi made the difference last year, and he's the reason why in so many ways that that team was able to finally elevate to a different place. But when you watch him this season, and and you nailed it, you watch him in these first couple of games in the bubble, you go, damn, this team's for real. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see another team in the East not only playing that hard, which is always crucial, but they've got guys on that team, that Toronto team, Kyle Lowry, Siakam, uh, OG Ananobi has come out and really played well, but they play with no fear. And when you're playing in the biggest of games and you're playing on what should be a really intense intense stage uh, over these next couple months, those are the type of players that you want. And so two games in the bubble shouldn't make a gigantic difference because any number of different things can happen uh, over the course of the next couple months. But Toronto in the East, to me, as we sit here right now, they're the favorite. Uh, I I know Milwaukee has played great, and they have Giannis, uh, but you know me. I've just never believed that that team could get all the way there, the way they've been constructed. I do think Toronto can get to the finals, and if they get the right matchup, I think they can win it because they have such a chip on their shoulder because people have almost seemingly forgotten that they won last year because Kawhi left and they're trying to prove that they're still that good. Nick, when you have a team that is a real contender for the championship, not just a a nice playoff team or a nice regular season team, when you have a team that seriously contends, you're looking at multiple weapons offensively. And when I watch Milwaukee... Man, it, I mean, who who doesn't like Giannis Antetokounmpo? But his supporting cast is just not strong enough. It's just it's just not up the snuff. When I'm watching Toronto, there are multiple weapons that Toronto can go to at any time. Seasoned veterans that have been there and young players that are on the way. I just the thing that lacks with uh, Milwaukee is not Giannis. That's not the issue. My issue is is that. You have to do better than Chris Middleton in order for you to be a serious contender against any team uh, in the West. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't want a young player like Siakam, uh, a newbie, uh, having uh, Gasol, a veteran that was with Memphis with this Raptors team, Kyle Lowry, who's put into another gear, Van Vliet, uh, up and down the line, Norman Powell defensively, Ibaka, Hollis Jefferson. There's, I mean, that's, there's quality players on that Raptors team, but I don't see that same quality with Milwaukee. They're good players, but not difference-making players for Giannis, I don't think. Hoodie, I agree with you completely, and it's a conversation that you and I have had over the last few years with this Milwaukee group, I, I think your your point is extremely well taken. And the name that jumps off the page to me is Fred Van Fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a lot of people listening to us uh, around uh, the Chicagoland area are familiar with him. Uh, but in general, Van Vliet, out of seemingly nowhere, he was in the, the G League for a little bit. He comes in the league, he has a a really, really nice playoffs. But, like, let's take yesterday. He's playing against a tough, defensive-minded team in the Heat, and he's knocking down shots from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And and you're listening to Bam Adebayo and these Heat players, they're going, yeah, that's just his game. And this speaks directly to your point and the difference between Toronto and Milwaukee right now. 
when you look at Toronto's roster, you see guys that not only won a title last year, but you see guys that you trust in big spots. And the biggest flaw I've seen not only with Milwaukee now, but in the, over the last three, four years, Giannis is incredible. Giannis is going to win the MVP for the second year in a row. He's awesome. I really like Chris Middleton. I don't know if he's the second star on a title team, but he's a damn good player. After that, I just don't know where you go on that team. I, mean, I, I love Kyle Korver. He can hit big shots, sure. but is he going to do it game after game? The Lopez brothers are really solid players, uh, but are, are they going to make that difference night after night after night? Uh, Eric Bledsoe, I have never been high on. I watched him closely uh, in those last couple of years when I was around the Bucks more. I just don't believe that he is the type of point guard that's going to lead you to a championship. So where else is that firepower going to come from when a team like Toronto puts a good defensive plan in place to at least slow down Giannis? And that is the single biggest question that faces Milwaukee now and moving forward. In the Western Conference with the Lakers, there's there's some good and, and there's some things I question about the team. Listen, you they're, they're going to be missing Avery Bradley. I, I like the Lakers, but I, I but – Here's what you look at. It's a positive, actually, that there was time off for LeBron to kind of just get himself back into, you know, to to rest a little bit and then to get himself back in basketball shape to make to make him a vital part of that Lakers team. Same thing with, with Davis. But once again, I'm looking for um, someone else to be able to step up for this Lakers team as well for them to solidify themselves as the best team uh, in the Western Conference. I I look at their roster versus the Clippers, and it's just not the same. Like, you're not looking for, like, the McGee's and Carwell Pulps to make big shots at the end of games. Uh, is that Kuzma? Is that is, – that's not Dwight Howard. Is that Deion Waiters? That, that's, I think there's more question marks than answers for the Lakers outside of James and Davis. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It was always the reason why – I was never all the way sold on the Lakers this season. I didn't think they could gel as quickly as they have. And, Hoodie, it's a credit to them that they have. But ultimately, uh, you and I both know, especially go back in time with the, those great Bulls teams with Derek and Joe Keem and Tibbs. Mm -hmm. You can win your conference. That's great. You can be the number one seed. There's respect that comes with that. Ultimately, what do you remember? You remember whether they won the title or not. Uh, and... If the Lakers are going to win it, they need just gigantic performances night after night after night from LeBron and Anthony Davis. And the answer to your question uh, revolving around who else steps up, uh, you know, there are, there are some guys like Danny Green, Kuzma, uh, Caruso can have a nice night here or there, but that's the issue. Those guys, Danny Green's had some moments in the postseason, but when you look at the totality of that Lakers roster, there are a lot of questions. And it's great. And LeBron has been fantastic this season. So is Anthony Davis. As great as those guys are, their greatness can't wipe away all those other questions on that team. And that's why always, even when the Lakers were rolling over those last few weeks there before the stoppage, I always thought if the Clippers got healthy, they were going to win because I just feel like they're a little bit deeper from top to bottom. And it remains to be seen how it's going to shake out. But 
when you look at those two rosters, and we haven't even mentioned the, the Rockets, who have really had a nice start in the bubble, yeah. but when you look at the Clippers roster and the Lakers roster, the Clippers roster has a lot more answers than the Lakers one does. And I think that will ultimately make the difference in the end. So speaking of the Rockets, as we talked to Nick Friedel about the NBA, with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app, as we talk about the the Rockets, they're going to play coming up uh, at the top at 8 o'clock here. So <laughs> so is it my eyes or am I – Am I am I going to buy into the Rockets? Because that's not what I thought. That's not what I thought in the regular season. But it's funny what a pandemic does. All of a sudden, I got a new set of eyes for the Rockets because these these last couple of games, you beat the best team in the East in the Bucks, right? And then you outscore the Mavericks in one of these classic ABA games or those early Stern era games where you know. Uh, smoke-filled armories and drugs in the air, uh, 153 for 149. So, but but I, I tell you when... I, I, Doug Moe! <laughs> the old Doug Moe games from the Denver Nuggets. You know, pull out the, pull out the uh, Santa Belt slacks and the white belt, the checkered jacket. My God, we're going to smoke it up and score 153 points <laughs> with no one watching. Uh, so, so, uh, uh, so I got to ask you about this Rockets team. Is it my TV or should I be buying in? Because remember, this is Captain Smallball, but they look good, Harden and, and Westbrook. They look really good, Hoodie. But right now, I still view the Rockets as basketball's answer to beer goggles. Oh, I, I, I do. I've got to be honest. I, I. I think that they have a chance. They have a chance. And I think that chance is larger than I would have thought going into the bubble because I just don't know how many different teams can play that style that they can and in a series do it night after night after night. It would not surprise me if the Rockets pulled off an upset and we're able to beat, let's say, the Lakers. Because I, I just don't think that's a great matchup for LeBron and AD because all that team is going to want to do is race up and down the floor. Mm-hmm. But the question, as always, and this is another thing that we've gone through year after year after year, could the Rockets make some noise? Can they, can they win a series or two? Maybe even potentially... I get all the way through the West. I, I think there's a chance, but do I really believe that they can get through the West and then knock off whichever team comes out of the East? No. I just don't think that that style of play is conducive to beating all these other teams and getting all the way through to a title. So they're interesting. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. But in the end, I'm not buying the Rockets as a true title contender. Man, they look good, though. In, in this they bubble, do. man, they look good. Uh, so here's what's funny. So in the NBA, so smart because they put it together a lot of matchups that you'd be intrigued by if it was the finals or in a playoff scenario. So just putting the Rockets and Bucks together was just is an interesting look because it's Milwaukee is supposed to be the best team in the Eastern Conference against a Rockets team that's in an experiment. In this game... The the Bucks out rebounded the the Rockets sixty five to thirty six. 
<laughs> okay. It's, but, it's incredible even when you say it again a few days later. <laughs> yeah, and, but yet the Rockets won by four. Um, <laughs> if P.J. Tucker could hit an open three, I mean, he I mean, I mean, won by 14. He was three for 12 from three. So as we tell you that, that stat of 65-36 differential in the rebounding category, don't forget also that the Rockets put up uh, 61 three-point shots. 21 for 61. At a thirty-four percent clip, it's still one by four. <laughs> that is, hey, that is Nate Robert, the Robinson's uh, like fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Rates up and down the floor and chuck up threes all day. Wow! Sixty-one <laughs> three-point shots and one by four. That's just tremendous. <laughs> I, that's tremendous. And it's an experiment, though. But see, that's the thing. Like it, the NBA should not look ordinary. Every game should not look the same. And so with the Rockets, they're trying to do something different than they've done before. Chan- Tyson Chandler's on their bench as their, their single big that they don't play because he gets in the way. Right. Um, but that's, that's, that's something, man. Um, I do want to ask you about Zion Williamson, too, because in the infinite wisdom of Adam Silver, he's putting these quote-unquote stars on the floor even though they're not playoff ready. Uh, that's why Portland's in, the pl- in this bubble, and this is why we get players like Zion. There's so much of a spotlight on Zion Williamson, and I really think it's premature. I know that he's, he casts a wide shadow because he's so unique in the league, Nick. I know it's great to probably write about Zion Williamson, but I'm so patient with him because we haven't seen the best of him yet. I know he's impatient. He wants to be able to bust out. He did a little bit the other night. But what, what do you think of Zion now and his future? Because he feels like he should be out there now, and I'm thinking – this is all development because the Pelicans aren't going anywhere. Right. I am I am very, very concerned, Hoodie. And here's why. I I lived and you lived through Derek's time in Chicago. And when I watch Zion with all that extra weight that is coming down on his knees all the time, I just don't know if he's going to be able to withstand 82 games year after year after year i i i think there are a lot of of questions as to the durability of of how those knees are going to hold and that is why you see the pelicans being so extremely cautious about his minutes how much he plays uh, the times that he does play they don't want to put too much pressure on him but at the same time you've got to let him get out there and, and get into the game and make a difference when he can. But I, I just, I watched what happened to Derek and, and some of that stuff you just can't control. But as I watch Zion, that's all I keep thinking about is every time he goes up, I think, Oh man, I, you know, I just hope he's all right. Cause he's just seems like such a really good guy. He'd be great for the league if he can stay healthy uh, and and play the way he did when he was on the floor. But as I watch what's happened the last couple of weeks in the bubble and I see how nervous it seems like the Pelicans are, the, the idea that, uh, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen injury-wise and, and even if you've got his best interest at heart, uh, that is it's very concerning to me as a fan of the game. Lastly, and I appreciate your time, you got to give me some kind of insight about that bubble. You're the one of the few reporting outside the bubble. You're there, but you're outside the bubble. Can you give us some insight of some stories 
from inside the bubble that you've heard about? The most interesting thing to me, Hoodie, is it seems like all these teams have <laughs> have a couple people outside the bubble as like runners for uh, for anything that players or staff members might need. Uh, that's the what, what keeps popping up is I've got a, a couple of my really close friends that are down there, and they just say that if you're inside the bubble that everything is taken care of, but there's kind of this outer ring outside the bubble of any number of different people, of team employees or uh, family and friends or people that are just kind of looking to get close to the action. And I think the NBA has done a really nice job keeping everybody intact if you're in that first tier. But in that second tier, and once families, uh, even more families, start coming down to the Orlando area, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where that balance comes from because there are guys that that all want different stuff at, at all times in the night. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think teams are, are going to be very concerned uh-huh. once that, that first round ends and uh, the world starts to open up a little more. Um. What else? What do players need? I thought they need had everything they needed in the bubble. What? what that's funny. <laughs> I thought they had everything in the bubble. Wait a minute. The, the league has done everything it can to make sure that that's the case, hoodie. But uh, you know, yeah, there's just there's just some things that that would make make the bubble even more of the happiest place on earth. Just leave it there. All right. Well, I thought there was a cigarette machine in there, but I guess it's not. <laughs> so I guess someone bringing a pack of cools in for some of the players. Menthol, of course. That, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I, I thought they had everything they needed. Um, well, I guess I was mistaken. That's why you're the reporter and I'm outside of all of this. Oh, well. Uh, well, thought they had all the food and, you know, refreshments they would have. But apparently... The outer ring is stepping the in. The outer ring. The outer ring is gonna be something to watch here in a few weeks, my man. Okay. I promise. Well, whatever it is, it won't be as bad as baseball. Whatever it is. <laughs> well, hey, by the time the playoffs start in the bubble with the NBA, I don't even know if baseball is gonna still be rolling. So, who knows? Hats off to Silver and hats off to Bettman, which is very rare. Hope so, hope someone's recording me saying that because I wow. I've never said me hats off. They've, they've done a terrific job, and baseball's on the outside looking in. I'm just telling you. Like, basketball's done it. Basketball and hockey, you throw the MLS in there as well as much as possible. I've done a great job with all of this so far. Unbelievable. So, well, my friend, as always, I appreciate you calling me from the outer ring, and we uh, will talk again soon. <laughs> I miss you, my man. <laughs>